Tyler, the guy that I was towing with, Tyler Holmes, he was like, oh, let's just sit and wait. We'll be patient, we'll be patient. And then um, it was a two-wave set and he, uh, Jimmy McCain went off. And then I just hear the whole boat screaming and then there was a big boil in front of my one. And I was like, oh, shit, second wave set was pretty wobbly and there was foam everywhere. And I didn't know whether he'd made it or fallen off. And I was like, oh, well, my turn, and first big step. And I thought I'd let, let go too early. I was going over it instead of scooping under it. Welcome to Speaking From Water, episode 38. And this is a very special episode because we are collaborating with a classic. A classic is an Australian media company. And we're very excited that they will be running this broadcast on their channel, on their RSS feed. So welcome, Australia. I'm your host, Sean Rutke. Today we have an extra special episode because I'm here with Matt Dunsmore. Matt Dunsmore is a charger. If you're Australian, you know his name. Americans, look him up, check him out. He he does Tahiti hard. He does ship sterns hard. The the Western Australia, the content I've pulled from Matt has been incredible, and I'm very excited to have him on the program. Matt, hello, welcome. How you going, Matt? Oh, dude, I'm doing excellent, excellent. So let me let me set the stage real quick. It's Saturday morning. I can't sleep too well. It's like 3:30 in America, and I, I flip up my my Instagram feed, and um, and uh, Matt Tidsley, the photographer. Yeah. He's got he's got these two he's got this shot he puts out. I think your buddy is in the front. He's he got he has the first wave and he just gets like blown out of the barrel. He makes the whole wave but get, gets blown out of it. And then right behind him, here you come and you make that that thing and it looks so sick. And I was I was all fired up at three in the morning, so I like DM'd you right away. I was like, bro, can you get on the broadcast? And thank you for hitting me back and coming on. So welcome, welcome. Thanks, mate. No worries. It was a pretty, pretty fun day. That was um Jimmy McKean that got blown off that first one. His board just looked a little bit too light or something. He just went flying through the air. <laughs> so, so let us know. You've been here many times. Uh, before we get into your history, which I want to dive deep into, uh, tell us about that day, that wave, uh, that experience of uh, of of the session. Yeah. So um. I'd been there, it's probably my sixth trip there, and um, I had had two years off. Um, the last time I went there, I snapped my knee in half and um, had 15 months out of the water. So this was my return day, and I was looking at the forecast, and I was like, oh, it's not going to be too big and too grunt, so hopefully it'll be a nice a nice day to just get welcome back, get my confidence back, and land a couple on my feet. But for once, I get flogged a lot out there, so tend to... um tend to just want to go on a day after getting an injury and and um that's not too too crazy and it was a perfect day it was just nice nice conditions glassy all the boys are having a good time everyone got waves nothing too big and crazy but um i've had some pretty wild and woolly days out there where it's just the wind's a bit onshore and you're still you're there just flown halfway across the country to surf there and you're like oh i gotta have a crack it's massive and windy this day was just a nice day the sun was out and it was good. Was it one of your best sessions there? Oh, like, nah, like for nah. Stoke, like I'm talking, I'm talking just like, ooh, that was like really good Stoke. Oh yeah, like we all just sat at the boat ramp, had a beer after. They're all my mates down there in Tassie. I've been a few times, and 
each time I go down there, I meet more and more people from, from there and they're all just such good lads and we all get on real well. If you go down and do the right thing, then it, it kind of accept you and have a good, have a good beer with them. And, um, yeah, we had a couple of beers after it and then a few beers on the boat there and everyone was getting waves. So it was a good hoot. Um, it was only about a half day session. The wind came up about half day, midday. Um, and then we all just kind of cruised. It was just such, such a beautiful, it's pretty rare to get a summer swell there. Um, so we were all shirts off. Normally it's freezing cold and you it's ice on the car park. And this day was just nice, sunny and beautiful weather. So it was, yeah, like you said, it was, wasn't the all-time biggest grunt shippies ever, but it was just such a good day. Everyone had smiles on their faces all day. It was, it was a nice one for sure. Sick trip. So way more fun than it was sketchy. And from the looks of uh, a, a simple man like me on the East Coast of uh, the United States, like that that was a, a gnarly wave. I mean, like how, how uh, Tidsley said it wasn't that big. He called it 8 to 10 foot off the back. And I was like, bro, that's a 20 foot, 16 to 20 foot slab, dude. Like that's heavy as heck. Um, I want to get into your stories, like your, your war stories, but like, let's break down that one thing I saw before I lose my track of thought here. Like yeah. your boy, your boy runs the first one, set up the whole scene. Like, like, yeah. Um, so we were kind of like, like Tilsey said, that's pretty small. That's about as small as you can tow it. Um, there weren't many paddle waves. It was a bit wonky because, um, they weren't quite lining up. So we're like, oh, we'll just, we'll just whip. Um, and we were just about to call it a day, I think. Cause it was a bit slow and it wasn't that big and and um tyler the guy that i was towing with tyler holmes he was like oh let's just sit and wait we'll be patient we'll be patient and then um it was a two-wave set and he uh jimmy mccain went off and then i just hear the whole boat screaming and then it was big boil in front of my one and i was like oh shit second wave was set it was pretty wobbly and there was foam everywhere and i didn't know whether he'd made it or fallen off and i was like oh well my turn and then first big step and I thought I'd let, let go too early. I was going over it instead of scooping under it, which is not what you're meant to do. You're meant to, meant to get under it and gain your speed and go over. And I kind of dropped and lost all my speed and wobbled a little bit. And then another little step. No pit, though, which was annoying. Um, Jimmy's one gave him a good barrel and it just launched him. But unfortunately, mine didn't have a pit. But it is what it is. Didn't, um, like Tilsley said, it was quite small. Didn't have any real bad wipeouts or anything. Hit my head on a rock which was pretty annoying. Had blood coming all down my ear and um, didn't hit it hard. It was more of just a graze. And then I think Tyler got pretty pushed under on one. Uh, apart from that, I don't think anyone got too smoked, which was pretty rare. Normally someone gets pretty banged up when you go around there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, our, what's your philosophy on helmets these days? Yeah, I definitely need to start wearing it. Um, I was actually saying to Tyler the wave before we were sitting out the back waiting for a set and he had his on. And I was like, oh, how's it feel? Because it feels like you'd rattle around your head a lot, especially underwater when you get pushed deep. Sometimes it feels like your head's about to swell up before your ears pop. Or I even had one time where my eye, my eye, the pressure came out my eye and my eyes started bleeding. And like all the veins in my eyes now are just permanently red. And I guess the helmet... I don't know whether it would be a good thing or a bad thing. So I was just asking him and he go, I go, yeah, I should get one. Might actually buy one after this trip. And then the next wave smacked my hand in the rock underwater. And I was like, oh shit, probably should get one. <laughs> yeah, bro. So like looking at all your content, you're well experienced. You've, you've been doing this for years and years. Uh, take me back to the beginning. Where, where are you from? And what is the, uh, 
Like, how, how did this trajectory begin? Uh, luckily, I was, I've grown up North Narrabeen, Sydney. Um, pretty epic spot. I'm about a two-minute walk. Um, I'm actually here at a place I've kind of semi-grown up in um, at the moment, my parents' place. Um, two-minute walk from North Narrabeen Beach, and as you know, that's one producing some of the best surfers in the world. So many good surfers coming out of here. And I guess I'd always surfed and I was like, oh, I need to kind of put my foot down here. All my friends are starting to do big airs and I'm looking at heaps of people starting to win comps and I'm like, oh shit, what am I going to do? And I just love getting barreled. So I just, every time there was a barrel, even as a straight close out, I'd just start surfing it, practicing my takeoffs, trying to get photos and trying to figure out how a barrel works. And then I just started surfing all the bombies, even if it was 10, 15 foot non-shore howling suddenly. It doesn't get big here as often as other places. So I just go out and get used to going under big waves and trying to take off um, the amount of terrible, terrible surfs I've had where it's massive, but just howling wind and stormy. But you just go out to try and learn how the oceans work and put yourself in the right spots and stuff. And in the end, it's worked out pretty well. I had um. Yeah, like I said, plenty, plenty, plenty of days where I'm the only one out or just dragged one of my mates out going, come on, just like, let's go out. And they're like, it looks terrible. It looks hard work. And it's like, yeah, but you get fit, you get flogged and you understand how to relax underwater. And I just did so many sessions like that where it's just one or two of us out and just practicing surfing big waves. And then I just ended up going harder and harder and harder and getting more confidence and more confidence until the point now where I pretty much need to learn to hold back a little bit because sometimes I get a bit too excited and go waves I shouldn't be going knowing that I'll get flogged. <laughs> so so take us to the day that that you were a, a young guy and how old were you and and where where were where was the session that kind of was your first step up? Um probably that South Narrabeen shot in 2016. Um there was this this huge storm that came through. Uh it's called an East Coast low here. Um which is a nor'east swell that comes down the coast. And um, we knew it was going to be big. The whole storm flooded the whole suburb. All the houses were underwater. All the the trees had been washed down onto cars. And and uh, it was a proper, proper storm. And I remember we actually surfed the lake the day before and the ocean was just breaking places that I'd never seen out to sea. Just as far as you can look, there was just, it was massive. And they were going, oh, the wind's going to be offshore tomorrow. And I'm going, oh, shit, like, how's this going to happen? And then woke up in the morning real early and went down to um, South Narrabeen. And I was like, whoa, it's massive. It's probably like, I don't know, big, pretty big, 15 foot maybe. And um, I just called everyone and everyone's like, oh, I'm not going out. I'm not going out. It looks too hard to get out. And I'm just going, to, look, this is the best players I've ever seen in my life. Ended up convincing Riley Cadman, one of my mates, to come out we ran about k and a half down the beach luckily got out and then the, we tried paddling i was on a old council cleanup board like kind of like one of those things in the background of yours just a, a old beat up thing that because I, I snapped so many boards out there and back in the time i didn't have a board sponsor oh maybe i was sponsored by hot buttered then but anyway i didn't want to snap all my good boards because i didn't get many boards any snap boards out there so i was on this 7-0 thing i found the night before on the side of the road and then um, couldn't get one for ages and made my gear and came around with a ski and luckily gave us a couple of whips. And I got that one bomb that linked up with Mark Onorati, the photographer over the, over the buildings and that kind of set 
set a bar and after that I just said, well, I'm not going to get a better photo or wave out my local than that. So I just started traveling every swell, going to as many breaks as I can because I just got the itch. I was like, oh, this is, this is fun. I can keep doing this. Dude, okay. So let me uh, describe it for the listeners out there. The, the shot is, is pulled back through a, a skyline. And Matt is on just a monster and it's groomed out. It almost looks AI. Like I, I was, I was very struck by this photo when I, when I saw it, uh, he, the guy, the photographer, who, what's his name again? Name's Mark Onorati. Yeah. Just so a local he, guy I've worked with for a long time. He's a bloody good photographer. Well, bro. Yeah. He's like, he's set up in just the right spot with a super telephoto lens. So everything's super compressed on you and uh, the, the buildings are in the foreground uh how, how big would you say that that was uh maybe like 15 foot maybe maybe a little bit less a little bit more just depends i don't know it was it was a big day there was no beach left the whole beach had been washed away and it's just rocks which has never happened before and then there was i reckon it was like an auditorium on the beach there's 150 200 people watching on the beach and screaming and hooting when you get away it's pretty fun so how did that wave feel? How did you're at, you're at your, your home beach that you've always been at and it's the best you've ever seen it. Maybe uh, like what did the old guys say? Did they say that they'd ever seen it that good? No, nah, they said uh, it's the biggest from what I hear, maybe one or two people say otherwise, but um, they reckon it was the biggest swell that's ever hit Sydney um, and one of the biggest waves. I know Lockie Rombout's paddled one, the same swell in Avalon um, that was big as well. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty special, pretty special swell. I've never seen it that big and still to this day and hasn't even been close. There's been a couple of big days out there and I was like, you should have seen the day the way out. It was double this. <laughs> so, so sick. So after that, you're, you're just like juiced up. Where, where was the next spot? Um, from there, I just started linking up with the main one, Josh Koo, and we just, we did about a year of just chasing every swell possible um surf ours which is cape salander um surf that every swell um paddling and then when it's small towing and then we towed a lot when the wind wasn't great just trying to get practice um by ourselves sometimes just trying to you know have fun with no one around is what i like to do and then started going uh to a couple of spots further down down the coast um and then started traveling, went to Fiji, probably been to Fiji six times, started, went to Tahiti, uh, did Hawaii, did, um, started going to Shipsterns after that, went to the sixth time to go on Shipsterns, um, went to Victoria, surfed a couple of slabs down there. Um, I pretty much just started setting all my forecasting up to see kind of what waves that I want to surf around the world. And I'm just trying to tick off, I guess my goal is to surf every one of the top 10 most dangerous waves in the world before I stop surfing is kind of my goal. Um, I've ticked a few of them off and I guess there's a few more that I I'd like to tick off. I want to surf Mugmore um, left in Ireland. I want to have a crack at Nazare. Um, and then maybe that, oh, I forget what it's called. Yeah. I want to go to Porto Escondido get a big swell there, maybe Pasquale's, pretty much anywhere that's the biggest, gnarliest thing possible. Um, before I hang up the boots, I want to I wanna have a crack at 
So what is, uh, there's, a, there's a difference, I understand. Uh, you, you talk about Mulgamore. Uh, uh, Garage McCabe was on the, the podcast a few weeks ago, and he said something that was super striking to me that I didn't really think about. He's like, man, I really love the slabs. And the slabs are, are for those who don't know, who might be tuned in, they're thicker. They're just thick, and they're closer to the beach or the closer to the land as opposed to say a um an outer reef setup where the wave is like big but not maybe as like thick on the pitch can you speak to the two aesthetics and then what do you prefer as far as your style i love a slab there's nothing better than just a nice big barrel like being deep in it the whole the sound of it's just roaring and like it breathes in and out. The, the air has nowhere to go, so it'll suck in and you're like trying to hold on to the sea and it's sucking your face in and it almost hurts and then it just, the spit after it just blows you out of this big barrel. Whereas on a on a big wave, let's just, for example, everyone knows Nazare, you just sit there and you go straight and you're just holding on. It's just like a, it's almost just going as fast as you can on a snowboard, whereas Oh, I don't know what the opposite. There's no real barrels on a snowboard, but oh. you there? Um, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. good. And then um, I guess you're just holding on at Nazare and you don't really know how big the wave is um, when you're towing. You could be on a 100-footer. The amount of times you hear someone go, oh, I didn't realise how big it was. Whereas on in a barrel, you're looking at the whole thing inside it and it's just so much more amazing, so much crazier than just your standard big wave i find paddling a big wave is pretty crazy because you're looking down at it when you're on top of the wave you're standing up and you're you're looking down at how big it is you know how big it is but towing a big wave that doesn't barrel um doesn't quite interest me as much uh but i do want to have a crack at nazare just because i haven't i've been on maybe a 15 20 foot wave where it's not barreling and i kind of find it not that good, but a hundred foot wave or an eighty foot wave, I think I'd find it pretty fun. You go up so quick and just so much adrenaline. Can you speak to the 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 drop in the slab when you're when you're uh, paddle surfing? Um, because that, that that just seems to me just the most bonkers thing. Because right and yeah. when you're tow when you're towing, you can set up a little more for that that throw. But like with the slab. The verticalness of the situation is um, is unspeakable. Yeah, it definitely defines a good a good big wave surfer to a to a mediocre big wave surfer. Um, there's some people that are just so good at paddling; they're so agile, so quick to their feet. The commitment levels are through the roof. Anyone can let go of a let go of a rope and go down a step because you're not looking at it. But to position yourself and paddle in with your own power and being there's only a takeoff spot sometimes of a meter by a meter and if you're not in that takeoff spot you're going over the falls or you're nose diving or you're getting absolutely flogged so much more paddling and um i ended up just towing this session because last time i surfed i paddled a big west one which is a big one with not much wall and it had a pretty steep takeoff um, ended up blowing my knee out, snapping my ACL, snapping my MCL. And um, I was in a lot of pain, had 15 months out of the water. So this time I was like, oh, I'll just get my feet and tow a couple. Um, and luckily there weren't too many paddlers. So um, 
if it was a paddle day where everyone was getting good paddlers, I would have had a paddle, but just um, finding my feet again, trying to get my confidence back. Confidence is definitely there. Um, but paddling, like you said, is just so much gnarlier. Um, looking down and on the shallow slabs, it's, it's literally like sometimes where you take off meter deep and it's looking at the whole reef and rock coming out of the water. Sometimes it's a reverse, a reverse angle. So you're looking down and then it's actually scooping back up to the rock. Um, so it's below sea level and the rocks out of the water sometimes and some of the waves I surf and I've taken off and fallen straight into rocks before um, thinking that the tide's a bit higher or gone a little bit too deep and the rocks there and you end up just getting flogged, cut up or so slab surfing's up to me way gnarlier than just surfing a big wave there's just so many more factors to take in and I guess that's what makes it so much more fun <laughs> Well, man, just on that note, like, how do you deal with the 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 spray coming up to to see your your next decision? You just be in front of it. If you're on top of the wave, that's where the spray comes, and if you're below it, you can take off. Yeah, that's not too much of a factor unless it's howling, like jaws. Maybe I guess you'd get the wind factor because the wind is just so strong, and you're trying to paddle a twenty five thirty foot wave, but. Normally, nine times out of ten, when you're surfing a big wave and paddling, the wind isn't too much of a factor. Um, yeah, it's only the odd session where you're just trying to handle the wind, but it doesn't happen too often. Well, you definitely know your positioning there, and uh, congratulations on going to back to the place where the, the damage was done. Uh, can you give us that story uh, before we get to some glory stories? Like, what what happened at that session, and uh, what were the conditions like? And it was a two day swell. I uh, flew there and towed with um, Danny Griffiths, James Homer Cross, and Harry Cross. There was uh, only four of us out um, that day. I'm pretty sure it might have been one or two more, um, but it was huge. It was like twenty foot. Looked like some of them were going to close out. It was massive. There were no photographers. The wind was meant to be pretty bad. And we just went round and gave it a shot anyway. And the wind was pretty sketchy. Um, got absolutely flogged day before. Like I said, that was when I got pushed real deep and came up. My eyes were bleeding and my left arm was pinned to needles and like thought I'd broken. I did something to my nerves and my shoulder. And then um, the next day after that was pretty tiring and all the pros flew over. I think there was, I don't know, some of four or five of the best big wave surfers in the world came. And um, I just kept falling off over and over again. I was surfing so shit. Had so much confidence and was just like, all right, I can do this. Like, step up. The big boys are here. Let's show them how it's done. And I just kept falling, picking the wrong waves. And it was kind of embarrassing how bad I was surfing. Instead of just calling it and having a beer and going, today's not my day, I just kept pushing it harder and harder. And then I just paddled a big bull one. Like, this was a full bodyboard one. Big steep takeoff, big step. And um, just got flogged really just tried to made the first drop and then lost my balance on the step and then the lip just landed straight on my leg and blew my leg sideways and I was underwater trying to do breast stroke to get back to the top and I was going sideways my left leg was just limp and I was like oh well I've done something in and got three or four more waves on the head washed over rocks and then um Mike entirely came and got me on the ski and then I fell off that and then young Noah has said and got me on the ski and got amboed off the hospital and Ended up getting surgery. And then that was my second big wave session yesterday. Had the right um, oh, 
six months, well, four or five months ago. I surfed the right. That was another big session, but pretty crowded and didn't get many waves then either. So it's good to be back. Good to be back on my feet, ready to start pushing again. It sounds like you your um your flow was off that day. Can you speak to the power of flow and feeling on and when everything's on, uh, how that is, and then give us a, a case in point where one time you were just like you could do no wrong. Yeah, I guess that was about a year um, where I was just making heaps of waves. Boards felt amazing. Just happened to get good waves on a lot of the swells um, that I was going to, and I was lucking into that. I had so much confidence, was making heaps of stuff. And then I guess that was the first session where I just was like, holy shit, I'm not making anything. What am I doing? What feels wrong? Instead of just standing back and kind of going, oh, my board feels a bit wrong or a bit too long or short. I was just in my head just going, get a better one, get a better one, get a better one. What are you doing? And then I definitely have learned so much from that one session just to be like, if something feels off, just pull back. I've always had such a go, go, go attitude and you need it to surf these waves. And I guess I just had no, I've never really had any fear in some, any sort of heavy waves. So I guess I just never have had to pull myself back and realize, Hey, this is actually dangerous. You could get real hurt here. But since then I've, I've noticed myself going, this doesn't feel quite right. I don't actually need to prove myself. I'm not looking really to be, a, well, I'm not looking at all to be a big wave professional or anything. I just do it because I love it. I got a normal job, got bills to pay and stuff. It's no money in it unless you're on the world tour kind of thing. So I just do it for fun. Not as good as the other guys that do it. So I don't know. I just, I just do it for fun. There's no point pushing shit to, to prove a point to yourself. And there's no point to be proven if that makes sense. Well, bro, you got a, a killer track record and you got some killer goals. And what I'm seeing is uh, is a very a hardcore competitive person. Now you you bring up professionals and uh, in the professional world, and you know I don't know. I believe that this time in uh, surfing in the surfing world is very interesting. The brands are suffering. You have a a person who's supposedly number one in the world who doesn't do well at pipe. Um, now I want to know from your standpoint. What, where where are we with with pro surfing and is it irrelevant and is is what you're doing you know because it's still competitive all all you guys out in that water are, are like trying to get the best wave of the day and that's competitive unto itself and i would say almost more valuable in a media space because here we are talking about it uh there's there was photos taken of it documenting it you know you didn't have that uh 20 years ago when you had to pay like a DJ strunts on the beach, like your, your boys are, are there, like speak to the present moment where we are in the, in the competitive surfing world as you see it. Yeah, you got that right. I'm super competitive. Um, and there's a fine line between competitive and making sure you're on the good way and then being a prick and snaking people and, and kind of doing the wrong thing by the locals that the waves you travel to. And it's such a hard fine line of, being like, all right, I want to bomb and then doing the right thing. Um, I try and keep everyone happy and doing that. There's photo competitions now and then there's social media with big platforms posting waves after every swell and doing doing articles on it. And to me, getting one of those massive companies to reshare something or or it's not like, holy shit, they've shared it. It's like, oh, well, I've done all right this swell, you know complete i've got got one of the better waves of the swell and 
um that just makes me happy not the fact that oh i get a few followers out of it or whatever it's just like well that's me doing well in that swell and um instead of going and doing an air reverse one of the challenges or wqs or whatever it is that a lot of people a lot of my mates do and stuff which is super sick i want to get that competitive drive too and it's mostly in my head i don't really tell people that i i like to kind of be hungry and get that kind of thing but after a swell i'm like sometimes i'm like damn it i just spent i don't know a couple of grand of my own money to fly this place and didn't get a good one at all or didn't get the one i wanted or i mean i don't know sponsors or anyone that pays for any of it i work hard and travel on all my own dime and stuff so when i spend all this money and don't get the wave i want it's, don't tell anyone but i'm like oh damn it like i didn't get the one i wanted but then there's other times you come back and go holy shit that was one of the trips of my life that was well worth a couple of grand that i've just spent traveling the whole way across the world for four or five days to to surf one of the best waves and craziest waves there is which is pretty cool so it's definitely um definitely competitive um and i love that which is, which is what i like doing what what was one of the trips of your life um oh one of the trips i did to tassie was pretty sick paddled a couple of good ones and and towed a couple of good ones which was pretty cool um and then done a pretty good trip to fiji um Tahiti was pretty amazing. I definitely didn't get the wave that I wanted, but um, it was an unreal place. Like beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place. Unreal spots. Um, had a couple of good trips to South Sumatra, Secret Sumatra. Um, trips of my life. God, that's a hard one. Not sure. I've had waves in my life, trips of my life. All of it to come together. God, I can't remember. The hard one. <laughs> okay, give me a wave of your life. Um, aside, aside from the obvious here that we've discussed, the the six six sixteen. Yeah, yeah. Um, waves of my life. There's, it's just a bomby. Got super lucky. Um, not gonna say the name of it on here, but it's just a big left. And luckily enough, I um surfed it quite a lot i surfed it for five or six times without making a wave it's definitely the hardest wave i've ever surfed um just deep water big boards i ride a nine six out there and it's slab um so it's just this big crazy deep water it's about a 20 meter paddle out and it just goes from super super deep water to super 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 shallow water and um, you can surf it up to 20 foot um the way i look at it, it's kind of like a maverick's left um and like i said took five or six sessions to even get a wave that i made it and then i finally found the right board um found my positioning because it's quite a big opening and i just backed or, or kind of took off on this big one and just let go of my rail and stood in the most beautiful barrel it wasn't that deep but definitely a wave and the footage of it um and photos of it i'll just be like holy shit i'll watch that forever it's just so lucky to be able to get that wave. Definitely the wave of my life. Well, what did it look like in there, and what did it what did it feel like? Uh, it was just this big blue, beautiful day. I don't know, ten to ten to twelve foot pit, and it was just the takeoff and paddling on it. You got to paddle so fast, and you're looking down at this big crazy drop, 
and it just let me in, just guided me in. And then to let go of the rail on a 9.6 is just, I love riding big boards and it, everything just felt so good. And all the there's boats and jet skis and stuff in the channel, everyone was screaming. And then, like I said before, it got a lot of publicity on the internet. Had a lot of people still to this day, every day. They go, oh, how was that one you got at that place? And I was like, oh, is this, pretty cool. Is, to... is this the one, excuse me to interrupt, but where you, you like, you're grabbing rail and you almost didn't make it. It's on your Instagram feed. Is that? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a left? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That uh, I thought you were going to eat it at like uh, slide six. And you pulled yeah. you you pulled that thing. That was that was mad respect. Um, yeah, it's a different wave than that one, but it's it's similar. Yeah. Are we in Australia? Can you give us a region or? Oh no, I can't can't go to that much depth. <laughs> okay, it, it's not even in the continent of the Australia. Yeah. Okay, copy. Yeah. Um, let's Sorry, go some place. Gotta keep nah, those dude. ones on the download. Hey, bro, <laughs> totally. Yeah, you, you gotta. I gotta ask as the journalist here. But uh, yeah. so let's let's go publicize to a Hawaii. When when did you first go to Hawaii, and how did that experience treat you, and how did it set you up for other spots? I remember I was seventeen, um, and I went over there. I hadn't really got anything too big and crazy, and then I was like, "All right, Hawaii is it." One of my good mates' birthday at the time. And he goes, let's go to Hawaii. And I was like, perfect. Ordered my first ever gun off Warner. I think it was a 6.6, but I was pretty small back then. And um, I was like, all right, let's do it. Went there and only really got maybe one big session. Pipe was pretty small. Um, surfed a, another wave, Lenny Kaya, maybe it's called. And that was, I don't know, eight foot. And at that time, I was like, holy shit. I was kind of not scared, but I was like intimidated. I was like, oh, the power over here is different. And then I guess that was the first time when I then at least had a board. And then when it got bigger in Sydney, I had this 6.6 um, that I started using. And then that I didn't start surfing bigger waves until I was much later. I was um, kind of always out when I was super young, when it was big, people would paddle over and I was a super grown going like, hey, mate, you, you were right out here kind of thing. And I'd always just be like, yeah, I'm, like what, why are you even asking me kind of thing got so much confidence and I was so well trained back then I was swimming five times a morning and board paddling in the afternoons doing clubby stuff and I was just so fit and so comfortable in the water and I just never even thought that it was the right thing I just never had the never had the um the places to go out when it was big I guess or the boards or someone just going hey man we going out or what and um once I started figuring out how to do that by myself, then it started started working well. Hawaii, so, I didn't get that big, in other words. I was young, didn't quite surf that good, but it was definitely an opener to start getting bigger boards and realising the power that the surf had and stuff. But I'd love to go back. My sister lives there now, so it'd be good to go over and see her and see the family and see how she lives and then get a couple of big waves in the, in the same time. It was it was your introduction to uh, heavier water feelings, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, do you think uh, that is a must place to visit just to check off the list uh, for someone with uh, aspirations to to surf bigger waves? Yeah, I want to go surf Jaws. I think I'll go right out there. I'm pretty. I really go. What I'd like to say, I I, I surf better on big boards. I'm a big boy. I'm six six. 
90 kilos or something or 88 kilos or something. So riding the big board for me, it's good fun. Jaws just looks like the perfect way for me. I've just, I reckon I thrive in having time to come and set up your wave and positioning yourself a bit longer. And it's not, doesn't quite stand up as fast. You can really set your line and put yourself in the right position. And I can't wait to see what all the hype's about. I'd love to get a big pit on it biggest way you can possibly paddle which is what all the boys are doing over there and um i just got a feeling it's pretty pretty localized and pretty crowded but i don't know who knows you go over there and all it takes is one wave and you tick it off the box probably not something i'd hunt over and over and over again just because of the crowds but i definitely want to go there and there's another wave on the mainland i want to go surf and then second or third reef pipe when there's not too many people out and they're just sort of big in the area and there's the odd diamond in the rough is more what I'm interested in than trying to surf eight to ten foot perfect pipe with a hundred people. It's kind of, I don't really like surfing with people that much. It's just pretty hectic. Is is that getting harder and harder these days for you? Yeah, for sure. I end up just going waves that I don't want necessarily and um, I like to analyze my wave a lot before I take off on it. And when it's crowded, you need to commit real early. You need to swing and go, all right, this one's my one. You need to start paddling earlier because then another one, someone else doesn't paddle. And then you end up going waves you don't want to take. And, and then you end up getting hurt, really. And, and we've been down that road. And how, how do you, though, uh, have the, I guess they call it in, uh, in Mexico, the machismo to, uh, because you do have to flex out there. You have you have to be in a in a stance of confidence, one in your mind to to even go on these waves, and then two to show everyone else around you that you belong at the spot at this time. Because everyone's looking at everyone else, being like, "Hey, who doesn't belong here?" Because I'm either going to burn them or tell them to hit the hit the beach. So like like where where does the um I guess it's built in the confidence of the time you put into these spots, but uh, speak to that. Yeah, I guess you've got a good point there. You, I, I don't mind surfing the crowded waves where I know a lot of the boys and they kind of know who I am and I've met them quite a few times. And um, it's always hard paddling out somewhere. I struggled at Chopes a little bit. There's just a lot of Hawaiians there and they all paddle out as a pack and kind of take over a little bit. And then, um, and then I guess when you're friends with them, they know you just wait your turn, make sure you're up. And if you're up, they know you're going to swing. Um, and then if you, if you do swing and you start pulling back over and over again, they'll kind of just be like, mate, what are you doing? But if you swing and you go and you get a good one, it's a pretty funny story. Actually, the first time I surfed Cape, um, I was pretty young and Kobe Abbott was there and um, he, <laughs> uh, he called me into a big South one, which is just a big heavy takeoff with no wall. And um, I got flogged, got washed over the rocks and snapped my board. And then they were all kind of laughing at me. And I was like, like tail between my legs, went back to my car. And I was like, oh, this sucks. I was cut up. And I was like, first time I've surfed it. And a couple of the local boys are just like, oh, there's just a kid that's just come over here and just got smoked and going in. And then I went and got another board and rocked back off. And he called me into another one. And it was the same one, big south one. And I managed to make the drop and made it out. And he paddled back out and he goes, that was all right, Grom. And I was like, oh, that's kind of what happens. You just got to earn your place. And if you go out there and you, and you just don't get any good waves or or sit on the shoulder and get in the way and paddle for waves and pull off, then obviously people are going to be like, what are you doing? But if you go there and you commit and you start making a couple or showing people that you'll go, 
they'll start to give you waves. I think if you're doing the right thing, you're not snaking them or bothering them or, you know what I mean? 100%. Such great advice for the youth. Let's go for some younger youth. You you got this confidence, it sounds like, from your time. Um, in Australia, it's called Nippers. In America, it's called Junior Lifeguards. Uh, when did you get involved with that? And how did that set you up for your trajectory? Uh, I did that my whole upbringing, really. Um, I happened to be pretty good at it. I was a really good board paddler. Um, I just So I'd wake up before school to two hours of um, training, of swim training before school every day and then finish finish school and go for a board paddle. And then if I had time to go for a surf after that, I'd go for a surf. And then weekends, I'd drive all around the state doing nipper carnivals. And there was, a pretty, there was a couple of years I hated it. And then um, I just kept doing it because I was kind of good at it. And then I'm glad I did it. Um, I look back at it now and just go, holy shit, like that just did so much for me. I went and did laps for the first time in a while the other day and I could just swim. I haven't swam in ages, you know, like it's just stuck with me forever. And that, that definitely gave me the confidence to be comfortable in the water because I can swim. So you did competitive pool swimming as well as uh, lifeguard competitions on the beach. Yeah. Mostly just training in a pool and then, and then competing on the, on the beach and, and boards and skis and, um, and then pretty much played every sport under the sun back when I was younger. Um, different sport every day, basketball, footy, league, union, touch, life-saving, uh, pretty much surfing. Everything um, that the school ran that was to do with sport, athletics, swimming, kind of, I'd do it and I'd do all right at it and um, naturally be kind of good at a lot of these things. And I guess I had to stick with the sport and surfing was what I'd like to do the most. Um, surfing and basketball and then I kind of just got over training for basketball I just wanted to surf so I ended up just kind of fading out my basketball and ended up just sticking with surfing and now sometimes I go weeks with it. when I was working real hard I'd go weeks without surfing and then just surf my ass off when it's big don't get too much thrill I like just going for a surf but I don't get too much thrill or excitement of just going for a surf it's just more of something to do keep fit see your friends out there it's just nice to get in the water but I don't kind of get any sort of, if I land a nice turn, it's like, oh, that was just a turn. If I manage to, I don't really, not really good at airs, but if I land a little air, I'm like, oh, that was, I don't know, it's not that fun. But then if I get a barrel or a big pit, I'm like, wow, that's it. And so I just try and chase that as much as I can. And the, the energy is what you're just devouring. And it seems like when you get to the level you are, you have an, a new access to this thing. So major respect. And uh, you, you are you are at the top of the mountain, bro. Um, I, I want to kind of, you know, something's perplexing me about uh, one thing. And that's this uh, in America, the ocean rescue uh, culture is, is, is different than the surfing culture. You know, like here uh, we have a, a national champion team. Uh, I'm lucky enough to be on it. I'm also a surfer, but like my surfing friends aren't necessarily that like the best surfers aren't also doing the, um, the ocean rescue stuff. So like, it's a separate culture in Australia. It seems like it's a very fluid mix. Um, kind of speak to, uh, to that possibly. And, um, and just general life-saving culture in Australia and how it's so big, whereas in America, it's so small and we have more people. Yeah. It's kind of funny. <laughs> There's like clubbies and board riders. It's actually a bit of a rivalry. Um, like the board riders try and set their board riders comps up and the clubbies have their comps 
and it's kind of funny. I've always been involved in the in the clubby side of things, which is life saving. We call them clubbies, and um, my parents have always been involved, and I have nothing nothing bad to say about them. But there definitely is um, rivalries. But I thought I find a lot of the good surfers and um, the fit surfers are definitely getting involved in the swimming and the paddling, and the I think it's good. Um, think more people should do it i think a lot of the pro surfers don't realize how much they'll get out of going and doing laps and stuff training and doing stuff like the molokai i know a lot of jamie mitchell and stuff do the big board paddles and i think why wouldn't they i know mick fanning was one of the first to, to knuckle down on that started started training real hard with the with the the lifesavers and um it's i'm all for it really so is swimming right now something that you're doing to keep keep your your fitness up? Uh I should. I don't do much fitness stuff to be honest. I just kind of work and then go surfing. I work two weeks on in the mines out in the middle of the desert. It gets up to like 50 degrees. It's like hot. Long pants, long shirts. Don't even see the ocean. I'm like 6 hours inland and then do my two weeks of work and then I get two weeks off and at the moment I'm I'm just trying to chase waves wherever there is on my breaks. Um, like I only booked my Tassie flight within an hour I left and then flew to Tassie for a swell and then almost was going to fly to Fiji and follow it there and then came back to Sydney and there might be another swell and another place coming up this weekend. So might jump on a plane and then I'll just go surf that and then all of a sudden I'm back in the desert, bloody hammer and nails away in the middle of the mines just going, what the hell am I doing out here? But need to make money to be able to chase the waves that I want to surf. Yeah, man, you just blew my mind. So, so it, it's such like from the outside, you hear I me mean, hearing this, it's like you're, you're down there in the earth first speak to that because we just talked about you being in the most gnarly barrels. Okay. Which no one gets to visit. No one gets to visit. Okay. Unless the most hardcore people right now. Yeah. Then contrast that with the pits of the earth. <laughs> all right bro I'm up, like... I'm up i'm up on the in an iron ore mine so it's it's all above ground but it's just red dirt and dusty like you're looking out over the mountains just red dirt as far as you can see you're landlocked you're, you're not on the water you're not doing your water uh, thing bro middle okay. of nowhere mate okay it's speak hard, to the... hard smog out there speak to hot, that it's boiling it... hot 50 degrees uh get 12 hour days so you do two weeks straight which is 168 186 hours i think it is straight and then you're buggered by the end of it and then you just jump on a plane or drive somewhere else or try and chase as many waves as you can to make up for the two week slogan that you just hated so does that give you some sort of just like like golden diamond in your heart that gets you to do what you're doing in the water yeah for sure i mean it's i do it by choice i i kind of love the idea of having a two-week holiday every two weeks um where as opposed to just slogging out five six days a week of carpentry work and then having one day off um but for sure like every swell i've just moved back into my car um which which means i don't have a base so then i can just start flying places to chase waves all winter is my plan just going to either drive in and out of work and try and chase waves in the top of West Oz or drive down south or head over to wherever there's going to be waves, hopefully chase a couple of swells in Indo or maybe head over to Morocco or Portugal at the end of the year. Ireland is kind of the goal. So 
the the mining is seasonal Nah, i just uh it's now nah, it's all year it doesn't stop mines don't stop it's just so much money to be made it's day in day out night time daytime don't stop and how do you entertain yourself uh, uh or do, are you just working and then sleeping yeah i just go to work and sleep and then i, I just tried to start getting some laps in at the end of the day but i'm normally pretty tired it's pretty nice to have a beer it's that hot so normally just cruise and sometimes I don't surf or do any fitness for two weeks and then I just fly to chippies and surf big gnarly way but I'm pretty silly in a way but it's what I like to do so sounds pretty incredible now you have a pool at the at the mine yeah yeah it's just it's just a nice big lap pool I would think you'd be getting nasty in that like just like it's Flowing. I should. I get a bit lazy out there. It's pretty tiring. It's so hot. Everything that you do is just... Maybe in winter when it starts to cool off. Um, I don't know what the Fahrenheit is, but I think um, the other the other week was the hottest place. About an hour from me was the hottest place ever recorded in the planet, they reckon. What's, um, what's like the closest called, town? It's called Marble Bar, where it gets hot. It gets hot. And I work in a place called Parapadu. Like I said, it's literally just dirt, red dirt for as long as you can see. It's just in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Pretty hectic. Man, you just popped me off. So, um, like, we're talking about the dirt and the dust. I, I want to know, uh, you're a man of, um, of of different aesthetics here. Take me to Tahiti. Was that is that the, the clearest water you've ever seen? Yeah, it's beautiful. I remember the first wave I ever got out there was um took off pulled up and i should have let go of the rail and done a pump but i was just so stoked that i even made the drop because i didn't think i was going to make that and then i remember just looking out at all the mountains through the most perfect blue barrel just going like wow this is pretty pretty nice and i just stopped focusing on what i was doing on the wave and just took it in and then just got flogged but i was like well it's easily the most beautiful wave i've ever been on in my whole life like the mountains in the background i'm sure you've seen the the GoPro footage or, or the the um stuff that Leroy Barlett shot. It just gives such a good perspective of what you look through through the waves that we surf. And if you're lucky enough to ever get a mind photo like that or a mind video, it's like makes I could have paid I don't know, I think I paid three, three, three and a half grand maybe to get there that trip. And that one wave before I'd even take it off on another wave, I was like, wow, that was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Well worth the money. And where where did you stay when you went to Tahiti? Just at a little local homestay. Um, I'm not sure what it was called, but it was just, we went with three of my mates and we all just found the cheapest place we could possibly find. And then we're living on $3.50 baguettes and we paddled out. We never got a boat because we didn't have enough money or we chose not to spend all this money on getting the boat out every day. So we just paddled and then pretty long paddle, but I don't know. I kind of try and make my, my trips. Yeah. Worth it. Whereas if I start hiring boats every day, tinnies, it's 150 us or something a day. If you go there for five days, it starts to add up. I've already spent a fortune on flights to get there. So. And, what's um you know you've done the hawaii what and and what's the culture difference uh in in tahiti it, that little um village there looks so quaint and it, it almost looks like it's 
in a back in time kind of thing. Yeah, it's unreal. It's just like they've protected that place for so long. I'm pretty sure one person owns all that land um, from what I hear. And he's just like, I'm never, ever selling it. He's just one of keeps, keeps this place the most beautiful place in the world in my eyes that I've been to. It's just like crystal clear blue water, um, nice little beach shacks, green grass. The ocean's just full of fish and, and, and sea life and doesn't really get much better than that. That was one of my favourite trips I've ever had. That five days of real fun surf. Didn't get quite the one I wanted. Um, got burnt by a Hawaiian actually on the wave day. And um, that was that pissed me off. But apart from that, it's all good. What, uh, how, how, do, how do you react in those situations? Oh, it shits me when you pay all that money. I was like, all right, I'm going to sit there and wait for the best wave possible. I prefer to get one bomb than five fun ones. Waited, 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 and then this wine just cut me off and started yelling at me when it was my turn, and it wasn't even his wave either. It was different if it was a local, but it was just this egotistic Hawaiian and just, God, gave me the shits. And he got a cover on perfect sunset, standing tall on a nice big 10, 12-foot west bowl. <laughs> and then he tried to say hi to me the next day. I wasn't happy. And... And do uh, do do you yell at at uh, someone in these circumstances? Nah, I can't let it go. Yeah, I used to I used to fire up in the surf and stuff, but I try and just cruise now. It's not worth it. I just try and have a good time. Nothing more good coming out of it. You'll just keep doing it. But I don't know. I guess he didn't know who I was, and I guess he just thought it was his way. But that's not how it works. Where uh, are are you going to be going anywhere the, uh, this winter next? Yeah, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna chase the right, which is just like as you said, probably one of the heaviest waves in the world. I had a little dabble in it this year, and um, my vest popped on my second wave um, underwater, so I had no vest. And um, like I was saying to you before, I kind of realised, hey, let's hold back, like let's not push it. Um, you don't have a vest and I've I've heard of people getting four wave hold downs out there with a vest and they've pulled it and it just doesn't take them up. They've had a minute and a half underwater. It's like a downward waterfall um, is how we explain it. it. goes over this big mushroom rock and then the, the water, instead of stopping and, and, and dying out, it just forces you so deep. Um, and without a full vest, I didn't think it was smart to, to surf the wave um, to try and otherwise I just you don't get that little bonus um, bit of air to help you get to the top. But I definitely want to have a crack at the ride again this year and actually get deep on, on a big one. We re we recently had uh, uh, Key and Salmon on the program and um, uh, uh, Hardy, uh, and they've both uh, described, Ryan Hardy, the bodyboarder, and they've both yeah, yeah. Descri described this location as just like so hardcore, just like oh. the and and i want to know from from you also what what is your position on it you have a lot of experience all over the world with these kinds of waves uh how does it set up compared to these other spots it's the craziest wave you'll ever see i can, i think it's i haven't surfed nazare but i reckon it's way gnarlier than nazare um it just explodes all in impact the lip of it is just tons and tons and tons and tons of water in one spot whereas Nazare just rolls over and crumbles this is just deep water just hitting and just launching and you're trying to pull in behind this big 20 foot <laughs> slab of water and 
to get deep out there and to actually get fouled is the biggest mind game you'll ever have in your life because you're letting go of the rope so early, so far behind the wave because it's such a fast wave and to get fouled on it, you need to be 20, 30 metres deeper than anything you even imagine. I remember my first wave out there, or not my first wave, but first good one I got out there, I've let go and I've gone to stand there and put my arms up as if I was in the pit and I was about 10 metres in front of it. And I was like, holy shit, I need to go 10, 15 metres deeper than that. And it's like, I thought I let go of the rope, the rope early. It's like, wow, like the mind games you got to play and then too deep, you're getting the worst wipe out of your life. Too wide, you look like an idiot standing in front of the barrel. So it's like crazy, crazy mind games. The people that take off deep out there and get barreled and come out, you don't understand the props of the mind games and the the amount of hours and stuff they've put in there to to make a barrel out there. Like most people that go out there for the first time don't get barreled. Like if they're getting barreled for the first time, they got some serious nuts because you got to let go so early and it's so easy to be too deep. And like I said, it's an underwater waterfall. You're getting the the worst wipe out of your life if you fall off. So it's it's pretty it's pretty sketchy wave, but that's what makes it fun for me. I love that that mind game and that chase of trying to get a big barrel on, on ways of consequence. It, it sounds like a mission to get to. Yeah. From where I'm living, it's, it's about a four hour drive and then about a 45 minute jet ski out um, into the middle of nowhere, um, which makes it hard for rescues. Um, there's no beach access. So there's no car access. So if you're getting hurt, there's not normally any boats out there. It's normally just jet skis, so you're going to have to sit on a jet ski. I know one of the boys got hurt at a, at a wave around the corner. Um, he snapped his leg in half, and they had to rock on with boards and, and stretcher him on a surfboard about a couple of hours' walk over to the car. Um, and then an ambulance was waiting there for him and went off to hospital. But it's a very, very remote place, and not going to lie, all the all the slabs in Australia are just the most, not all of them, but 90% of them are just in the most remote, crazy wave, I mean, area possible. And it, it just makes it so hard for safety to be at the, the top part, which just adds a whole other dynamic to it. it. just makes the people do it a little bit more crazy, I guess. <laughs> Have all the slabs in Australia been discovered? I reckon no. I reckon there's heaps more. I just don't know where they are. I've messaged a few a few people at the start of this year, actually. I would love to go try and find a slab that no one surfed and just see if it's surfable. Um, I've got a couple of ideas in my head, but whether the swells line up with, with when I'm in the area and stuff, um, and then if someone's nice enough to let me know of a slab that they know about that no one's ever surfed and they want someone to have a crack, let me know. And so are you like scouring Google Earth and, and matching it with well charts? Yeah, kind of. I've had, had a pretty decent look at Google Earth at a, at a few areas. Um, I'm not that quite that good at that kind of stuff. It's so difficult. It's like you can put in so many hours and the bodyboarders are so good at that. that. Like they just chase so hard. And I don't know how they find so many waves. I wouldn't even know where to start. Um, I feel like I just get skunked and skunked and skunked. But the bodyboarders somehow just good on them like props to them they just find they've found so many waves all around the world 
and seems to they always be the first one. So hopefully we can get a couple of waves on them and start surfing them on the stick a couple of times before. How how are you uh, culturally with the bodyboarding community as a as a big wave surfer? I reckon they're sick. Some of my best mates are bodyboarders. They're all nuts. Um, they're looking down on the ones we tow. Um, I guess the only thing we have that we don't like is the bodyboarders paddle on the surfers tow. Um, I guess sometimes the bodyboarders get a bit upset with us towing, but we can't. Nine times out of ten, we can't paddle the ones that they're going. They're these big, I call them bug waves, because they're just crazy takeoffs. And I've just seen some of the bodyboarders just go the most nuts waves. And the people that don't give them props, I'm just like, what are you doing? They're the most psycho people ever. I don't care if they don't stand up. They're going the most gnarly waves, getting so flogged on some of them. And just kicking back out and going the next one. Like, I don't care what people say. Bodyboarders in Australia are absolutely nuts. Yeah. Having, uh, speaking with Ryan Hardy a couple of days ago, and it seems like they're just very sensitive people and they just get hated upon. And in America, you, you'll, you can't find a bodyboarder. Like, the, the, the culture is not there. And it's because we don't have the slabs. Like, California, yeah, exactly. you might find some, but even there, culturally, the surfing is is the master. Um, Australia, I've spent a little time there, just observing the the culture. It's very, very unique in that regard between between the the two. And really, the the big wave culture is so unique unto itself. From you know, you could put them into like the law longboarding camp, and even the uh, you know tricks of of you know waves and ripping and such. But I digress, sir. Um, before I let you go, uh, what, what are like your, um, your, your boards right now that you're super set on, or are there any, uh, maybe tell me a little about your toe setup and your, your big wave setup or yeah, excuse just, me, your, your bigger board. Yeah, I've got a range of boards. I've got about 30 boards. I reckon, um, they range from, I think my smallest is a little twin fin at like six one, and like I said, I'm six six. I'm a big boy, so my short board's a six four now. Um, and then my biggest boards are ten four um, for the big bombies that I ride. My toe board's about six two. I think I was riding with a quad set up. Um, and Dylan, Dylan Longbottom, Dylan Shapes just started shaping me some unreal boards. Um, and that was the toe board I rode at Shippies. He's just got three more weights, three more slab boards coming into a good time of year for slabs where I'm living. So um, he's just given me three more slab boards and then I've got all my guns for big boards. I just try and make sure that I'm well prepared for whatever kind of swell or, swell or kind of wave it is. And then, um, yeah, Ion Wetsuits, shout out to them. They've been giving me been giving me um, wetsuits and that for about a year now and far out. They're so flexible and so warm in some of the coldest parts. So shout out to them and then guess while i'm at it loan clothing thanks boys for all the clothes <laughs> check them and, out and where where are these guys located where can you find their gear um uh ion is a, a european and australian wetsuit just type in um ion wetsuits and then loan clothing is just an australian uh, australian company from newcastle which is just about uh two hours north they've um just hit me up on instagram and just and now I've just started seeing more people starting wearing their clothes. They're getting bigger and bigger, which is sick. And then, as you know, or as anyone that should know, Dylan Longbottom's got to be one of the biggest OG big wave surfers, toe surfers, slab surfers there is. And he's um he looks out for people that have a crack, and he's supported a lot of the local um, Sydney boys around here. And 
all around the world on on his boards and he's killing it and they're good boards so definitely check out Dylan Longbottom's boards. Sick. Do you have anyone else you'd like to shout out? Ah, uh, <laughs> just everyone, family for the upbringing, friends, mates, people that with me, everyone, just everyone that I travel with. I just love doing it so much and the people that I do it with and see is, oh, someone's calling me, sorry. Matt Dunsmore Sorry, is back. Mate. No worries, dude. No worries. <laughs> hey, I, I want to know um why you're shouting people out. Like when you were little, who 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 were the inspirations uh for your surfing? Like, like did you have any in the canon that everyone knows about, or maybe any underground guys from the Sydney area? Who who did you look up to surfing? Honestly, I didn't ever really look up to the comp guys. Um I was kind of just more like the Laurie Towners, the Dylan Longbottoms, the Ryan Hipwoods, the guys that just work your everyday jobs um, or just your underground guys that make it in surfing. And it's just like, well, they've just come from kind of nowhere and just surfed and surfed and surfed and got the best waves as well and made it, you know what I mean? And now um, it's pretty much now... I look at like the Kyle Lennies and just go, well, look at what they're doing out there, the algae layers. And then the, anyone that kind of just has a crack and lets their surfing do the work, you know what I mean? Um, I'm not really too phased on the comp guys and um, the guys that kind of just where they are for their image, just the guys that just go out, let their surfing do the work. And they're the ones that, that made it. There's, um, Ben Wilkinson, just a Narrabeen boy who's just moved over to Hawaii and loved getting in the eddy. Like, are you kidding? That's one of the biggest achievements ever. And he just, no one, there's so many people that don't know who he is. And he's just a Narrabeen boy that's just gone over to, and just killed it. It's just so many people I look up to that aren't kind of massive and don't even realize I look up to them kind of thing. And then I just look at their life and go, wow, they've just done so much sick, such a sick life for, I don't know, what I, kind of exactly like me i just like chasing waves and doing what i like doing and that's what they did and they've just made a killing out of it what what advice would you have to someone who wants to uh take their game to another level travel the world save up your money and just go surf as many different waves and as many different types of waves as you can every time it's good every time it's barreling every time it's big go out and practice and just travel and surf as many different waves as you possibly can because I did, I did a couple of years where I just didn't I just kind of would surf at home when it's big and I feel like if I started chasing waves when I was a little bit younger and experiencing new slabs and new big waves and dialing my boards a bit earlier and stuff it would have been pretty sick it took me a while to get there so I reckon just go out and grab your best mate and just go on a trip it's the best thing traveling's epic so such solid advice and uh what is the meaning of life have fun put a smile on your face don't do it with that don't be angry just hang out do the right thing by people and they'll do the right thing by you i reckon
the golden rule, bro. You, you're, you're killing it. Uh, you're at, you're at your, your childhood home. It looks like you're great. You're seeing your grandma. Uh, what's, what's on tap for today for you? I'm just cruising the weather. Not, not great. I've been traveling, like I said, for, I don't know, I did a red eye, which is an overnight flight to Sydney from WA after a four hour drive up to the airport. And then I flew from, had a layover in Sydney and went to Tassie and then surfed all day and then didn't get back to the house I was staying at for till like 10 o'clock. We woke up at 2.30 in the morning to go surf all day and then we ended up on the beers after it. So it was a big night after that. And then, so I'm wrecked. I'm just going to go chill out for a little bit, maybe go for a surf. I think there's a few little fun gravel waves. So not a lot, mate. I'm just going to chill until work next week. And it's Unless summertime as well. It's yeah, summertime. summer, but the weather's not great raining so people are uh in on the beach hanging out sounds very we're, we're here in winter as you know and it's cold and uh it yeah. sounds lovely yeah you guys are, are totally killing it and uh, we're excited to have a classic on this program today uh speaking from water episode 38 with matt dunsmore uh dude i i can't thank you enough for joining us and uh just laying it out dude it's been been super sick sick thanks mate it was fun Matt, I wish you best of luck, and I uh, hope to do an episode two maybe uh, here in six months and see where you're at. Perfect. Cheers, mate. All right, bro. Enjoy the home. Cheers. Peace.